My name is Chris Lynam, and I am your host of Off the Floor, the show that is all about the learning process, the critical pivots along the way, and the positive ripple effects from those decisions. What's up, Off the Floor? It's Chris Lynam, and I'm back. All right, let's think back to the hit TV show in Living Color, If you remember it, you're awesome. David Alan Greer had a bit as a blues guitarist, which is going to be the setup to a confession that's 20 years in the making. That's right. This is also going to connect to a cognitive bias, a failed tango routine, and something called the tequila rule. All of this right here on Off the Floor Solo Edition. This boy named Lionel He wore sweatpants and beanies And he still won best dress That was the song my best friend Duran Wilson sang to me every single day After the results were tabulated And I won best dressed The senior year of high school That's right, me And yes, it's true I wore sweatpants and beanies And I really did not care how I dressed, and yet I still won. And here's how it happened. You've heard of the movie Love and Basketball? Well, to summarize my high school experience, it was kind of like basketball and basketball, or maybe friend zone and basketball. (laughs) But I really wasn't trying in the, uh, the clothing department for a long time. But fortunately, I was writing for the school newspaper in the second half of my senior year, and I caught wind that they were having the best and most competition. You know, like class clown and most likely to succeed and cutest couple, all that kind of stuff that is so incredibly important when you're in high school. And so I decided that I was going to win one of those categories. I didn't know how, but I just knew I needed to win one. Looking at all the options... I decided that best dressed was my easiest entry point, even though I was clearly not the best dressed person in my high school. But that didn't mean I couldn't start trying. I think it's like the dressing better version of John Wick. Like, I had all this capability, I guess, and it was buried in like a cement cavern, and I just had to pull out all the resources. Now, I had some shirts and ties, not many, and I had... uh, a sport coat, because away games, basketball players usually wore a shirt and tie just to get on the bus. It was like a a rule that the coach would enforce. Outside of that, I think I could only categorize my clothing choices as comfortable, whatever I could comfortably play basketball in at lunchtime. That was really the primary goal of my fashion choices, if you even want to call them that. So here's where the big confession comes in. I knew when the voting was happening, so I decided to pour it on with a shirt and tie every day during the voting season. That's right, 20 years in the making, 20 plus years in the making, and I feel no remorse whatsoever. (laughs) So I had a sport coat in my rotation, I still fit in my suit jacket for my 8th grade graduation, and I think I even rocked a pair of Z Cavaricis, and if you don't know what those are, look it up. And lo and behold... The winner of the Best Dressed Award was yours truly, Chris Lynam. 
Much to the chagrin of Mr. Duran Wilson, my best friend since the sixth grade, who is a very, very sharp dresser, uh, cared about his image. He was also a great basketball player, but he also rocked a nice-looking polo. He matched up his pants and his shirt together. He was a very, very thoughtful dresser. And here I was, rocking the beanie and sweatpants through the third quarter of the school year, (laughs) and I come home with the victory. So how in the heck does something like that happen? Well, this is at play in more places than you might think. Let's start with the first one, the availability heuristic. So this is developed by Amos Tversky and Daniel Kahneman, and they coined this term in a series of papers that eventually became the incredible book, Thinking Fast and Slow. The idea being that what you can recall the easiest makes for the best conclusion. So an example of this would be like everyone, like myself, that feared the water after watching the movie Jaws. It's funny, like you'd even fear a swimming pool at night, or maybe that was just me. But or even any real life shark attack that prompted you to like get out of the water because that was the first thing that came to your mind when you looked at a body of water is like, I'm not going to get eaten up by a shark. And yet at the same time, when we look at all the data, more people die from champagne corks or falling off ladders per year. Now, I'm not talking about champagne corks while on a ladder because that would be catastrophic, but definitely not the box office draw that a shark attack would have. But in this case, the shark attack was an attack of rayon pants, a stripable coat, a shirt, and a tie. And the frequency that the voters saw me wearing clothes like that places this scenario firmly under the category of the availability heuristic. But that's not all. A second cognitive bias was at work, and this is called the serial position effect. So the idea behind this one is someone is more likely to remember the first and the last items that they are presented with in a series. Now there are two big bookends to the serial position effect. There's the primacy effect, and that's like first impression. And then the recency effect, and that's the recall of something that's most recent that just happened. A great example of this in the real world is a hotel. If you imagine the lobby of a hotel is that they want to impress you with the primacy effect, ease of access, smooth transition into your room, and then recency effect, ease of access and smooth transition into your Uber and flying back home. In my case, going back to the fact that I knew when the voting was going to start, I wanted to make sure that on day one, I was wearing that shirt and that tie, rayon pants, the jacket, the whole nine yards. Knowing when the voting would be over was all about the recency effect. Now, I didn't calculate this in advance in terms of all of these cognitive biases, but this is definitely what worked in my favor and why someone like me with the beanie and the sweatpants could beat out somebody like Duran, who was a dapper dresser the entire year. So now let's look at another application of this. There's a phrase, you're only as good as your last at bat. And unfortunately, it's that kind of thinking that falls under the category of recency bias that can take somebody completely off the rails of a process and fall victim to self-loathing because of a bad result. And I have a story about that. So I had a student who will remain nameless, we'll call her Student X, and uh, my boss Bobby had said that I was going to dance a routine with her. It was gonna be a tango routine, and she was excited about it, and it was also an opportunity for me to show her that I could be a really capable uh, second-in-command on her dance program. 
And so I poured my soul into the choreography. We worked really hard at it. We had a bunch of lessons and we had kind of mapped out the entire room. When you're putting choreography together, especially for a ballroom dance, the idea is that you have to kind of pinpoint where you're going to travel around the room versus just staying in one kind of static position if it was a Latin dance. Anyway, I had pinpointed every last square foot of the dance floor and allocated moves that were going to get us around the room and we were going to do a big finish right in the center and everything was going to be great. Until they brought in the rental chairs. That's right. There was about 50 rental chairs that were brought in for the day of the performance, and that changed the layout of this choreography. Now, by eyeballing it, I felt like, you know, everything should be fine. And yet, when I went out there to perform it, lo and behold, in the middle of it, my bearings were off, and I turned a corner a little sooner because I was trying to avoid the chairs, but that kind of jumbled up the choreography, and I blanked. So I knew where we needed to end up, and so we ended up freestyling, just kind of dancing, leading and following to get back to one spot in the music where I knew where the big finish was going to be. So geographically, I knew I needed to be in the center of the floor. And in the music, I knew I needed to hit on this certain part of the music. And sure enough, I get us back, navigate around the chairs, get us back to the center of the floor. We hit this big final pose. Someone caught a picture of the pose, too. that We ended up using it in the brochure for the following event. And... I'm thinking, we did it. Oh my gosh, I can't believe it's like the recovery of a lifetime. And here I was thinking, you know, I was in sheer terror, and then we survive it, and we finish right where we needed to finish. And as we're walking off the floor after a big bow and a big ovation, she slaps me on the back, and to a stunned audience, she yells, I can't believe you forgot my routine. And then we walk all the way to the back, I keep my composure, and then I pull her aside, and then I give her the rule. So biting down on my ego and my <laughs> knee-jerk instinct to lash back out at her, why did you hit me on the back? I tried to stay as calm as possible, and I said, in the future, we are going to walk all the way off the floor, we're going to do it silently, and then when we get to this back room where no one can see us or hear us, you can tell me anything that you have on your mind, and if you want to, you could even drink a shot of tequila because we're done. The sad part is that you did a really great job. Everybody clapped for you, and I think that the routine worked out just fine. It's a bummer that that happened, but that wasn't the only thing that happened. So in this dance example, my student was really falling into the category of that recency bias. She was taking one spot from one part of this process, the final 1%. It would be like a hotel at the very last part of your stay, making a mistake and double charging you on a room service bill that they could easily adjust. And yet it was just that one thing that kind of tipped the scales away from maybe a four-star review to giving them a three or a two-star review. Ultimately, this ended up becoming a great problem. I mean, it really helped me have a great preemptive conversation with all of my future students. Hey, by the way, if you feel like something went wrong and you want to slap me on the back, please do it in the back room where no one can see or hear you. Oh, and by the way, once you're there, take a shot of tequila because you've accomplished something. <laughs> and that something is the result of a process. And unfortunately, process is kind of like that friend in high school that's been there all along, stuck in the friend zone. 
Recency bias and the availability heuristic is like that stud exchange student that shows up and suddenly tips the scales completely out of whack. It's just current events, and it might not even, it might not even be backed up by any data, and yet it suddenly becomes the mental low-hanging fruit for people to choose from, a la my best dressed award. So here's some quick solutions. If you imagine in weight loss, if you didn't have a before picture, then you might lose perspective on your after. Based on recency bias, you may look at yourself in the mirror and say, I'm not losing any weight. You need to have some type of data to prove otherwise. So some things you can do is you can keep a journal and track down some of the progress that you're making. You can also track down the things that you're having a tough time with. And in either case, what it's doing is documenting your journey. Whether this is by pen and paper, if this is before and after pictures, or if this is a daily video, if you truly value the process, then you need to measure what you treasure or be doomed forever for a guy who is a horrible dresser to win an award like Best Dressed. As you journey outside of your comfort zone, consider this podcast as your travel companion. So if you're enjoying it, please go to iTunes, search Off the Floor, and hit the subscribe button. Thanks so much for listening. 